This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnank. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Eben Novi williams And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we will explore. She's got me. Medina's got me doing the we. I knew something was amiss. I like the, that. Yeah, you like it because Eben has his free pass. We explore the big money issues in the world of sports and, as always, talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. On this week's show, we have Sinclair Broadcast Group's CEO and President Christopher Ripley, believe it or not. <laughs> See what I that was, that I, was I, I actually toyed with doing that and then decided probably best not to. Yeah, I didn't. I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but first, let's get to this week's sports news. Fox Corporation is buying almost 5% of the gaming giant Stars Group and starting its own sports wagering platform. It's by far the biggest media investment yet in the burgeoning U.S. sports betting market. The media company, controlled by Rupert Murdoch, you've heard of him, and his family will pay $236 million for its stake in Toronto-based Stars, which last year bought Sky Betting and Gaming for $4.7 billion. You know what you just said? Yes. You did? $4.7 billion. I mean the whole thing. Do you know what you just said? The big, yeah. the big thing there. Yeah. Fox yeah. is in. All in on betting. That's All in. A, yeah, You're going to have your free-to-play for the teetotalers like me. You're going to have yeah. your real money where the state law allows. For people like me. People like you. <laughs> Prepping themselves for a world of widespread, let's bet on everything in-game, on the screen. They want to be in that world. The, the interesting, or the most interesting part of it, beside that this big media brand is in, is that sometime within the next 10 years, they have, when I say they, that means Fox, has an option to buy 50% of Star's U.S. business. What do you think that business is going to be, Mr. Novi Williams, in, let's say, 10 years? It's going to be big. Fox will need to decide if they want the uh, regulatory colonoscopy that comes along with uh, with taking a stake that size. <laughs> Bar, um, man. Bar, do they want the colonoscopy? <laughs> <laughs> that just wrecked the whole visual. Man. But uh, no doubt, as you said, Michael, this is, this is the biggest move we've seen yet from a major media company uh, regarding sports betting. It probably won't be the last. You know, obviously a lot of eyes now shift to I don't think we have a problem. No problem. About it. To, to see to see where they may be, shift to Verizon and it's Yahoo a to see where they may be. Yeah, I mean, Bob Iger has been, you know, he's been fairly vocal about his desire not to not become to own, a sports yeah. book. Technically, Fox is not becoming a sports book here either. They're going to, I mean, really, I think the money that they make off this is going to be affiliate fees, yeah. which is essentially the, the money they get for transferring customers over to Stars Group. Uh, and you can imagine with the strength of Fox's brand, that's going to be a lot of money. Let's talk about Nike. They have something cool. It's called a foot measure tool. It's an app. Uh, what it's designed to do is, well, to measure your feet so you can see if your sneakers actually hold fit. Hold on, hold on. Before Evan and I, I, I did not. The answer for me was no. But Medina, you can chime in as well. When you go to the shoe store and you're buying new sneakers or whatever, you know that silver measuring yeah. device that they all have? Yeah. Do you guys know what that's called? The thing that you put your foot That's in. That's what I said. I said the measuring thing, right? Yeah. Medina's not even paying attention. She wants no part of this. There isn't. There's a name for it. 
the Brannock device. Yes, it's called oh, the Brannock wow. device. I didn't know that. And Nike is trying to make those obsolete. The technology here that, that Nike has developed is is an ability to scan your feet up against the wall when you're at home. Uh, and the reason they want you to do that is that the shoe, the, the the size shoe you wear in a in a specific Nike shoe, say it's a basketball shoe, might not be the same size that you should be in a specific running shoe or in a soccer cleat. They want to get you in the best fit possible, and there's business implications there too. According to Nike, industry wide, 27% of shoes bought online are returned because of shoes because of shoe problems. They get over half a million complaints every year about shoe size. 60% of people are walking around in a shoe that isn't the proper fit for them. All of those things are things Nike's trying to rectify. Bar's got the right size, hush puppy. <laughs> I love hush puppy. I will say this: oh, I do find a hard time finding shoes that do fit my feet because I tend to buy the men's shoes. Do like you the women's sizes don't ever fit me properly, so I always go with a with a men's sneaker. One big question that we we started. Do you know what? Remember when you go to a shoe store, those silver things where you measure your feet? Oh yeah. yeah. Do you know what they're called? We know what it's called, the actual name? Oh, no, I have no idea. All right, so that's all three of us. Yeah, to, to your point, Medina, one of the things the Nike folks did say is that this will, if there are women out there for whom their feet fit better in in, in the proper size men's shoe, this app will also tell them that. So you're ahead of the curve because you know that you know there might be a men's shoe out there that fits you better. But I think a lot of women kind of pigeonhole themselves into just the women's shoes when there may be a men's shoe that fits better. But I will say it's mostly because I actually prefer the men's aesthetic on their sneaker than the okay. women's. So I try to find the men's sneaker. Not because I have like huge feet. Maybe you can feet. get both now. Look at it. She had to point out. It's not because I've got freakishly large exactly. feet. Exactly. I was going to say, I'm, forgive me for not having tact. You don't have big feet. Well, thank you. <laughs> forgive me for never having noticed. <laughs> but how big are your socks? <laughs> uh, y'all remember the Hartford Whalers? Civic Center in the mall in Hartford. Brass Bonanza, baby! Oh, I feel so Sylvain Turgeon. <laughs> Mike Liute. Oh, man, Ron that's great. Francis. You know what? Kevin what, Deneen. In case you guys forgot, uh, people out there, they are now uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. But... You know what? People still love the Hartford Whalers merchandise. They do, and and they became the Hurricanes. Uh, the Hurricanes this year twice wore Whalers gear to sort of honor their history. And as Mr. Novi Williams found out from the club, that they sold almost $200,000 worth of merch on that first night. A club record for the regular season. Wow. So people love the whale tale. Now you wonder if they if they go to the Stanley Cup Finals if they can manage to win it again. Imagine all the whales you'll be seeing around town. Former podcast guest Tom Dundon, when he bought the team, you know, prioritized you know embracing the Whalers brand, and it's it's worked out well for them. Speaking of a whale of a deal, see what you did there. Mm-hmm, let's get to this week's interview with Christopher Ripley, who is the president and chief executive officer of Sinclair Broadcast Group. Made some news this week. Sinclair acquired the 21 RSNs that used to belong to Fox from Disney for sale. $10.6 billion with a B dollars. And by the way, part of the group that's going to also take the Yes Network. I still say that's some, oh, lordy money. That, that That's some real money. All right. Well, Christopher, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Scott. So uh, it's been a decent week for you, huh? Have you been a little busy? Uh, anything new <laughs> happening I should know about? Uh, just a little bit. It's been a uh, uh, nothing short of a monumental week for, for Sinclair. 
on uh, Monday, we announced uh, the acquisition of 21 Fox RSNs for uh, $10.6 billion uh, at a uh, six-and-a-half times headline multiple, five-and-a-half times after uh, tax benefits. And, Wait, didn't you have a Groupon? Um, Did you have a Groupon? <laughs> yeah, I had a Groupon, yeah. <laughs> well, at that number. Were, uh, it, it was a great number, and um, the stock market obviously uh, reacted very positively with uh, sending the stock up about 35% in the first day. And uh, we were just in the right place at the right time in, in many respects. Uh, it was a forced sale by the, uh, the DOJ and um, uh, the five or so other strategics, which really, um, you know, had much more, much bigger and much deeper pockets than us um, um, that, that should have bought this business uh, before us, uh, you know, weren't in the... Uh, weren't in the in the auction. So uh, we really benefited from that. Now, the people who were involved, or at least many of the people involved, had told me during the process that it was a very difficult transaction. Do you agree with that assessment? I do. Um, it was um, difficult for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, um, as I mentioned, the, the there there was, you know, five very well, well-heeled um Strategic acquirers that that should have been in the process but weren't, and uh, it, it would have been easy or easier for them to evaluate um, this. But uh, we were the only uh, strategic that was looking at the whole portfolio, and the rest of the um, uh, the rest of the bidders were all financial uh, bidders, and and they did find this process very difficult. It was even difficult for us, um, you know, all the way down from very stringent clean team rules where um, only certain people could see the contracts. In fact, my, I, I couldn't even see the contracts myself. Only, only our outside lawyers could, and they had to report back. And so information was slow in coming, given that uh, Fox was uh, – these were Fox assets, but um, uh, Disney was the one running the auction. There was a mismatch there in terms of, um, you know, workflow and alignment of interest. And then the, all the confidentiality around all the contracts, as I mentioned, made it all that more difficult. And for a financial buyer looking at this, um, it, uh, it was just a very, very difficult um, thing to get their head around, um, not like a normal industrial business that they're used to buying where, you know, you make a widget and you sell it to a consumer. You know, in media, things are quite different. This is going to be a very simple question, and I'm sure one you have thought about the large implications, but fans and customers probably want to know, why did you want them? What's the strategy? Well, our, our strategy has uh, been focused on sports for quite some time. Uh, we, uh, you know, it, well, really news and sports. And um, the, this acquisition really makes us the preeminent company in the, uh, in the country in local news and sports. And uh, we have always been a strong news company for quite some time with all of our local news stations. Uh, we are the biggest producer of local news uh, in the country. Um, and um, starting a few years back, we we took a keener interest in sports. Um, we had already had a decent sports portfolio with uh, NFL football and, and other sports coming from our network uh, relationships. 
we had a, uh, a wrestling promotion called Ring of Honor, and then three years ago we bought our first cable channel, uh, Tennis Channel. And, um, and, and that has been a phenomenal success for us. But we, we knew we wanted to do more in sports. Um, sports and news are the twin pillars of uh, linear live viewing. Uh, they're massively outperforming all of their genres in terms of uh, live viewing due to uh, the, the huge influx of dollars um, from, uh, from, from cable companies and now big tech just flooding the marketplace with new general entertainment programming, which is largely being consumed on demand. And uh, as a smaller company in the ecosystem, we knew there was no way we could compete uh, in general entertainment with the type of um, deep-pocketed competitors that were coming in with low to no uh, profit motive, at least in these genres. And news and sports was going to be an area that we could we could carve out a profitable and sustainable uh, business. And this acquisition was really a capstone move for us that shifted our business in a big way uh, to be leaders in in local sports and news. Can I tell you something about the tennis channel that you might not know? This is a conversation I had with Kenny Solomon years ago. Do you know which tennis fan? would often, oh, midnight, 1 a.m., be watching the tournament, shoot him an email or a text and say, you know, I don't like the graphics, or I know, you know, you could do a little bit better here design-wise. Do you know who that person is? A tennis fan at 1 a.m. who would email Ken Solomon. Uh, I should know that. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say that no, I No, 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 maybe but, not, but uh, I, I want to let you know that you may one day get some, get some requests by one Anna Wintour. Ah, Anna Wintour, yes. You know, it's amazing to me. It's a great great anecdote there, but it's always amazing to me. Wherever I go, there are so many Tennis Channel fans, and especially, um, you know, famous ones. And uh, I bump into them all the time, and they tell me how much they love the Tennis Channel. Chris, it feels like every day on this show we're talking more and more about you know the spread of legal sports gambling and the and the, the tremendous business opportunity there, especially in the media space. How much did you know the the opportunity in gambling alongside live sports rights? How much did that kind of weigh on your decision here? Look, I would have made this acquisition, um, this you know, not having legalized. Uh, sports betting coming into the into the picture, uh, for all the reasons that I just said around, you know what what we think is uh, you know sustainable areas that we can compete with in news and sports, um, but having legalized sports betting, which I think is going to be a huge mega trend here in the U.S. On top of that is is just uh, makes it all all the much more sweeter for us. I mean we we really do believe. This positions us to be a prime beneficiary of uh, of that trend, and um, we're already seeing some RSNs um, experiment with dual feeds, where one feed uh, they send out is gaming centric, so that it, those who are interested in gaming can can choose to to watch a different feed with um, with uh, stats. An interactive uh, ability to uh, to make in-game uh, wagers uh, while they watch. Which, if you look at Europe, 
I mean, that's, that's a big, a huge part of the business. And I think that's where we're headed. And it's a massive opportunity for us. You've also mentioned uh, uh, your interest in other RSNs, talking about your sports properties. You're partnering with the Cubs coming up on their on their own venture. What are the other are there specific other RSNs that you're looking at? Kind of how big is your ambition from the regional sports network uh, standpoint? We have an appetite to do more. There's been there's been news reports of us. Uh, engaged in uh, in other um, RSN activity, which I won't specifically comment on, uh, but, um, you know, I think you, you all know what I'm talking about. And, um, and so we certainly do um, have an appetite to add uh, more to the portfolio. Um, what's nice about the Fox acquisition is it, it is the largest collection of RSNs already. Uh, it gives us a significant scale uh, in the business, and, uh, and, and media, at the end of the day, has become a scale business. So uh, if we never bought uh, or operated another RSN, uh, we'd be fine. But, um, but to the extent there are other opportunities, we're, we're definitely interested. Does it make sense? I mean, how much more valuable is each incremental one that you can add, given that you know every single step forward you make gives you a bit more leverage when it comes to carrier agreements, et cetera? Well, look, I think the strength of the product uh, speaks for itself, uh, you know, regardless of, of whether you've got um, you know, 21 or, or 1. Uh, you know, this is great content that, that distributors will want to bring to their subscribers. Um, I think the, the, the answer to your question can't be said generally, um, besides just saying that, you know, this is a scale business overall in all of media, in all genres. Um, beyond that, it'll, it'll be really, a, you know, a deal-by-deal deal analysis. Um, I certainly think that uh, some of the independents out there um, would would do well, um, you know, to be uh, be, be talking to us. Uh, those those are probably where where some of the best um, you know synergies exist. We're talking with Sinclair CEO Christopher Ripley, and the left side of my brain was going to ask, okay, what's the end game? Then the right side of my brain said. Well, that's a pretty stupid question because you don't want to put yourself into a box, and you've proven that when you spent more than $10 billion on the Fox uh, RSNs. So I'm asking now, as a business— With the third part of your brain, yeah, here comes well, the question. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the egg-frying <laughs> yeah. part, but that's another story. What, what I'm getting at is you can't put yourself in a box when you are a, a business, and, and uh, you've proven that. Can— can you offer some advice for people out there who are trying to start small and grow into this, why you should always grow? Well, listen, I, I think it's, uh, it's an interesting question because in many ways, you know, you may look at this acquisition and say, wow, $10.6 billion, that's huge. Uh, but we're actually still peons uh, in the greater land, media landscape which is increasingly being um, um, dominated by tech, big, big, big tech companies. That, uh, uh, but you know, just just the uh, diversified media companies alone that we compete with are multiples our size, even after this acquisition. 
And so, um, you know, for us, um, we had to figure out where we could sustainably compete, and that's why we picked sports and news. And if, if you're small and you're, uh, you know, you're smaller than us and you're looking at, you know, you're looking at competing with bigger people, which is, you know, exactly what we're faced with, um, I would approach it in just the same way. Figure out where you can be unique, what is your sustainable advantage uh, that you can uh, bring to the marketplace. And, uh, and for us, uh, you know, that, that's, that's how you win in any business, but, but especially if you're small and you're outgunned, uh, which, which we are in terms of, you know, deep-pocketed, um, you know, competitors in the form of large media or, or large tech. And uh, for us, um, that answer became focus, our focus on local and our service to the communities and coupling that with news and sports. We're chatting with Chris Ripley, CEO of Sinclair. And Chris, are you a believer that the Fangs will be big-time bidders for live sports rights? It's not critical or core to what they do. We see toes in water, but do you think they're ready to dive into the deep end? Uh, I do think that they will enter into pretty much every facet of media. Um, you're just seeing them do it sort of genre by genre. Uh, starting first with general entertainment, where where the most viewership is, um, and um, I, I just I suspect it's just a matter of time before uh, they enter into to all the genres. And um, I, I like our position here because no matter how much money uh, a big tech company throws at sports, there are only 160 odd baseball games a year and 80-odd NHL games and 80-odd NBA games. And uh, unlike general entertainment where you can always create more and more uh, content, which is what's um, really dogging the market right now in terms of the massive oversupply, uh, you can't really change that um, in sports. You either have the rights to the games or you don't. And we have the rights to the games, so I like our positioning there. We're chatting with Chris Ripley, CEO of Sinclair. And Chris, uh, one of the biggies that was not part of the group was the Yes Network. Uh, Yankees did exercise their option to buy it back. You're part of that group. But Amazon is also, in continuing that fang, what is this going to look like? Can you assist me five, I don't even know if I have to go that far down the road, three, five years are we looking at sort of a reimagined RSN app where you can really scale that sort of media around the world, offering different kinds of content, maybe live games at some point? But can you help me out what this is going to look like? Well, the, well, the RSNs have been very successful in transitioning from traditional MVPDs, uh, which are the cable companies and the satellite companies like Comcast and DirecTV, uh, onto the virtual MVPs, which are Hulu, YouTube Live, uh, Fubo, um, Sling, um, and 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 they they built a business over the, a few short years from zero subscribers to now five million subscribers. This is the, the Fox RSNs, and and that's growing fast as people transition from traditional uh, consumption to to streaming based consumption. And I think the next frontier after virtual MVPDs or streaming-based MVPDs is on to um, uh, these uh, big SVOD platforms, 
uh, you know, which, which you see at Amazon, which, you know, obviously Apple's getting into the game. Uh, AT&T, uh, WarnerMedia is, is launching uh, later this year. You're only going to see more and more of these uh, as FODs. Disney is, is launching, and, and they're going to have really a mega bundle when they, when they tie together um, uh, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus and, and Hulu. And um, these, these SVODs are going to start looking a lot more like MVPDs with multiple uh, channels and offerings uh, bundled together. And uh, the next frontier for the RSNs uh, will be uh, you know, some sort of distribution relationship with them. Uh, Meredith has one in Zumo. Is that something you're interested in? Um, Zumo is an interesting uh, uh, platform. Um, we have something very similar to that called Stir, and um, uh, both Zumo and Stir are free and ad-supported, um, which is probably not a good fit uh, for the RSNs. Um, you know, they they are 100% you know subscriber-based, uh, either via the you know the cable companies or or SVOD. So. Um, uh, it's to me that's a different that's a different market uh, than than the RSNs. I, I have one question I wanted to ask you, and this concerns when I see a great game like baseball, uh, and unfortunately, in the ballpark itself, the attendance uh, is low. Uh, and, and baseball is a great game, and and I don't understand why we're seeing this. And I just wanted your reflection on it. I mean, because, yes, that's the good thing about a regional sports network is that you can show the game, but people aren't going to the park the way they used to. Can, if you can delve into that. You know, I'm, I'm not an expert on, on in-person um, in exhibition. Uh, that's probably a better question for, for MLB. Um, but I will say that, you know, the, the, the product that – the RSNs deliver uh, to your living room is second to none. And, um, you know, they have commentators, the production value, and, um, you know, the, the stay-at-home alternative is very, very strong. And uh, that's why it's some of the most watched programming uh, on television. And uh, whether that factors into the trade-off of whether people want to, uh, you know, show up in person uh, versus watching at home, I, I gotta imagine that that has a part part to do with it, and I'm sure there's many other reasons, but uh, uh, but it's really not my uh, my area of expertise to comment on. Let me let me stick to your ear, and we'll let you go out on this, Chris. Uh, the confidence you have that the RSNs and sports in general will hold the value. There's there's some pushback and some pressure on pricing. What makes you confident that? People will always want those sports and that people will be willing to pay for them. You know, I think there's a lot of noise around the cost of programming and the cost of the TV bundle. But when you really analyze it, um, the overall TV bundle is one of the most unbelievable entertainment values uh, ever offered. And specifically... Uh, when you look at the RSNs, for the price of less than a Starbucks cappuccino, uh, the local, the whole household gets to enjoy on a monthly basis 
their uh, games almost every night from their local baseball team, basketball team, and hockey team. And, uh, you know, that price point uh, is an unbelievable value. Chris, I'm going to do me, if I need you to do me a favor, call my wife. (laughs) <laughs> and I'd like you to repeat what we just said, because if she orders another iced soy latte at whatever the price is, I'm going to go nuts. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I need to have my RSN so she can maybe give up one of those six buck lattes. That's all I'm saying. That's Chris, all it takes. One a month. There you go. Chris Ripley, CEO of Sinclair. Thank you very much for joining us, Chris. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, guys. Time now for takeaways. And the big thing that I take away from this interview and talking to Christopher uh, as a business you are always growing and, and as I mentioned it earlier the box the box you can't put yourself in a box you have to move with the business that's there are a lot of uh, companies that did not grow with the times and and move along and now they're bankrupt uh, my takeaway was that he views 10.6 billion dollars as cheap. He he got a good deal because this was a forced sale. That the, the the feds made Disney dump these RSNs because they already have ESPN. So uh, it was a forced sale, and they had a really good number, which is allowing Sinclair to now look out there. We heard him say it. They're looking for more. You know, they can compete with people with more money, and this is how they've chosen to do it: live news, live sports. Uh, so there's going to be more going to Sinclair in the future. I was going to say that uh, already a dominant player in the local news side of things. They are now with this purchase a dominant player in the local sports side of things. 22 RSNs if you count Yes Network. They're going to have another one in the works now with the Chicago Cubs. And as he said, you know they're looking at others right now. You know he's currently exploring the possibility of of buying a few more. So you know Sinclair could be even more dominant than it is right now with this purchase. Could become an even bigger. Brand brand and the local sports side of things. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week, and it is 5.1 million. Evan? That's cash, I should Ooh, say. I'm going to say that's cash. That's a hint. million in cash. So it's not NASCAR related. I don't know. Uh, Evan? Oh, I have no idea. The prize money for something. Nope. Former pitcher, major league pitcher, Bobby Jinks. Remember him? No. (laughs) He used to be with the Red Sox. Well, what happened is he has agreed to accept the $5.1 million settlement from Massachusetts General Hospital and a doctor, he says, caused his career-ending spine injury. According to the Globe, Jenks reached an out-of-court settlement with the Boston Hospital and the doctor the day before his medical malpractice suit was scheduled to start. According to Jenks, his surgery was botched while the doctor was overseeing another operation at the same time. Hence, here's a check for $5.1 million. Or about what a third-rate second baseman would make these days. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Just saying. 
Hey, let's call it a day. You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week for you at the same time, plus online as a podcast. You can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Eben Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thanks very much for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports and Bloomberg Radio around the world world.